welcome to the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Dr. Steve Wood, solo podcast today, been on the road a few weeks, just got back and wanted to jump on and, and record some my thoughts on a topic that I get asked a lot about when giving speeches on nuclear verdicts. I hear a lot of conversations with other attorneys and litigation consultants as well on this topic, and that topic being humanizing the corporate defendant. I know there's a lot of discussion around when to do it, how to do it. I know there's a big point to say we must do it. You have to do it in order to make sure you tamper down these nuclear verdicts. You know, and I think one of the things I hear constantly is, and I've even seen it in presentations, is humanizing the, the corporate defendant by saying, you know, they're even though there are thousands of people in this organization, they're all you know, just normal, regular people who wake up in the morning, kiss their spouses goodbye, say goodbye to their kids and head off to work, you know, trying to give a face to that nameless, faceless organization so that essentially the thought being jurors don't want to punish the corporation because they stop seeing them as a faceless or an entity and more of the individuals that make up that organization. In theory, I, I like it. It makes sense. However, a lot of what I've seen is is not anything that actually supports that contention. And I haven't really seen anything. I know it's uh, an idea that gets pushed forward a lot, but it's not something I've really seen data to actually back it up. And I would actually would say that in the last few mock trials and focus groups that I've done, when I've seen this happen, actually it hasn't gone well and jurors are not seeing it as beneficial. They're not seeing it as persuasive in the way in which the defense is trying to portray it. <clears throat> Prime example I just did a mock trial not too long ago where this exact thing came out, where the the, the defense attorney you know, went into that spiel that I gave about how they're just normal everyday people who get up and go to work every morning, you know, and just do their job. Well, in that case, we had three juries, three deliberating juries with three different verdicts. All of them came back against the defense and the actual average jury award in that was a little bit more over than $20 million. And also in that case, punitive damages were also on the table. And two of the three juries came back with punitive damages against the company in excess of $97 million on the average. Had another case where the attorney presented and talked about all the charitable work that they did, how a lot of decisions that the company has made have been based upon environmental factors and looking out for the environment. Jurors, when talking to them, didn't care. Their, their response was, so what? You do things for environmental. So what? You donate to charity. We all know that charitable donations are a tax write-off. You know, And going back to that other one too, their responses in that situation about you know trying to make it sound like the corporation was really just a bunch of human beings. Jurors are smarter than we give them a lot of credit for, right? A lot of times I always hear about how stupid jurors are, but the truth of the matter is they're a lot more perceptive, I think, than a lot of people give them credit for. And they see through that. And in that situation, they saw through what defense counsel was doing. And they saw it as essentially a ploy by defense counsel to humanize the company, but they felt like they were getting the wool pull over their eyes. It didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel you know, right in the context. So yeah, they, I, when I asked them and I talked to them about it, they mentioned it, but they said, we felt like that was a play on our emotions. That was a play on us where they were trying to trick us so that we would keep the amounts lower by humanizing the client. So that's partially why people are talking about doing it 
Problem is jurors see, see right through it. Okay. You know, and I think the biggest thing that in that situation where, you know, talking about when the jurors wanted to punish the company, where the jurors want to send a message to the company, they're not really necessarily sending a message to that individual worker. They're sending a message to the C-suite. And in that situation, a lot of times they say, we want this punishment. We want this message to be sent all the way through to the C-suite. So when you think about humanizing them, yeah, that's great that you're talking about the, the normal everyday employee, but that's not really the focus of what the jurors are. And trying to get them to focus on that, they know full well that for the most part, if they hit a big verdict against the company, this argument that it's going to hurt the community or it's going to shut down that company. And now the person who has a livelihood is going to be put out of business. I mean, I can think of a lot of big verdicts that have come out in the last few years amongst a lot of companies and looking around for the most part, all those companies are still in business. So the idea of trying to get jurors to believe that a large verdict is going to somehow close the doors on a company is, is something too, like I said, that they see through and see as disingenuous. I think one of the other important things too to talk about is, you know, the credibility of the company. You don't need to necessarily just hammer that down the throat of the jurors. I mean, if, if it's a large company that a lot of people know about, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time talking about the initial story about the humble upbringings to now being a large corporation. Now, if it's a company that a lot of people don't know about, you can provide some background information. However, it needs to be more or less just the context of here's the organization. It was founded here and you know, this is what they focus on and go into that after that. Spending a lot of time, and I've seen it happen, is talking about how the founder of a company is a youth pastor and spends time coaching t-ball on the side. I get why you're doing it. I get why defense attorneys do it, once again, trying to humanize the client. But the truth of the matter is, once again, jurors see through it. And in that instance where they talked about that t-ball coach, jurors once again said, what do I care that he coached t-ball? I mean, get to the substance of what you're talking about. Him coaching t-ball has nothing to do with the case that we're here for, the business that we're talking about. You know, it's more or less, once again, a ploy to try to trick me to feel sympathetic and empathetic towards this corporation. I want to get right to the heart of the matter. So that's, once again, things to not focus so much on in addressing so much time on that topic. So what can you do? What are, what are we, what do we talk about when we talk about, you know, the, the things you can do in order to humanize a client? Once again, as, as I'm wanted to stress this whole idea of really trying to make a big production about it by trying to talk about, look at, we're just a bunch of individuals who come together on a daily basis. And we're not this big nameless faceless organization. That's not going to work. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. I've never seen it be successful. So I think you're wasting time. And if anything, you're, you're almost upsetting jurors because now it feels like a lot of fluff and, and filler rather than just getting to the case facts. So what can you do? Pre-trial, a lot of it's going to come down to corporate reps. You know, Bill and I talk a lot about on the podcast, about witnesses, about corporate reps, about the corporate reps being the face of the company. And I think that's one of the ways you can get your company humanized, though, is by involving your corporate rep early, finding who that is, and if, you know, making sure that that person is prepared to make any statements that may need to be made, but just having them be prepared to be essentially the face of the company. You know, and then I guess the thing becomes, 
when this goes to trial or if you're going to get deposed asking, what does this corporate rep act like in their deposition? You know, are they arrogant? Are they dismissive? Are they credible? Do they feel slimy? Do they look like they're trying to hide the ball? I mean, a lot of those things are going to be decisions that jurors are going to look at when they're looking at the deposition testimony, coming to an idea of whether or not they find the corporation to be credible. So, you know, keeping that in mind with your corporate representative, getting early on in the case, understanding kind of the case facts, understanding the implications of the case, and then making sure that they're properly trained and prepared before they go into their deposition so that they do put their best foot forward. Because one of the worst things obviously would be for the corporate rep to, to go in and give a poor deposition and then have opposing counsel say, gee, I can't wait to show this at mediation or I can't wait to show the jury how poor your, your corporate representative shows and it's going to further inflame the jurors. So keeping that in mind and getting your corporate rep involved early. The other thing, crisis communication, what's the narrative? What's the narrative your company has building? You know, if this is a situation where your company is going to be in the media and there's going to be statements, holding statements that are going to be released, what do those statements look like? How are they going to portray credibility? Are they going to make, are they going to be no comments? Are they going to be thoughtful responses to a crisis that's at hand? And once again, as we would argue, as you've heard Sean Murphy come on with me before too, when we've talked about crisis communications, that's going to be extremely important about the players that are involved in the message that's being put forward to how jurors and potentially the community members are going to view your company and how you're handling the situation. So handling that crisis communication in a credible way will help then push forward your credibility. And then also, if you have your corporate representative properly trained, showing credible in his or her deposition, that will help as well humanize the corporation and make it so that jurors are less inflamed by the corporation because now they see who is it that the corporation is essentially designated to speak for them. How do I feel about them? And if the corporation picks someone who's argumentative dismissive, what does that say about the corporation? What does that say about the corporation's values of the person that they would put out there and push forward to speak on behalf of the company? I think another thing you can do uh, in voir dire is you're going to have to start looking for anti-corporate bias. You know, I know a lot of people, when we've talked about jury selection before, some attorneys are better than others at eliciting that information. If you can get it on a supplemental juror questionnaire, good. If you can't, make sure you're asking about that type of anti-corporate bias in your voir dire because jurors who have the strong anti-corporate bias, it's not going to matter what you say to them. You could sit there and talk about all the good that you've done in the community. You can talk about how all your company is made up of thousands and thousands of people who have families and had to depend on them. You can say all you want, but the truth of the matter is that juror is going to have such a strong bias against the corporations that they're going to not be able to put that aside. So you want to make sure you identify that in in your initial jury selection so that you make sure you get them off. Because like I said, nothing you're going to say, even if you try to humanize your corporation, it's not going to matter because they've already dug in and it's going to take a lot more than a couple statements during trial in order to change their mind. That's not how, that's not how attitudes get changed. That's not how beliefs get changed. They don't get changed that quickly. So making sure you're identifying those jurors. Other thing, make sure you're talking about profits over safety, right? This is a big thing we know plaintiff's bar will talk about or try to harp on about how large corporations tend to put profits over safety. Another topic you're going to want to approach in jury selection to get jurors beliefs, because a lot of times people will kind of say, yeah, you know, we tend to believe that corporations put profits over safety, 
but there's a big difference between the person who thinks that corporations strongly feels that corporations put profits over safety versus someone who's not quite as entrenched in the idea. And they might say, yeah, I, I can understand that. But at the same time, corporations are in business to make money. You know, they're not, whether they're doing things nefarious in order to make a lot of money is a lot different. Uh, but if, yeah, if it's okay for sometimes for them to put profits over other things, or I expect them to somewhat put profits over other things. But it's that person though, who's dangerous is the person who strongly believes that, who has a strongly held belief that that's what companies do versus, like I said, the juror who has the more lukewarm perception about whether or not companies actually do that. And then at trial, you know, I wouldn't necessarily stay away from the idea when we were talking about before, you know, whether or not you want to talk about them as individuals. I mean, I guess the ultimate thing I would say is it really depends on the context and it would really depend on the extent, as I said earlier, if it's within context, if it's to lay a foundation and a groundwork just to say who this company is, I could see that and I would stop there. Sort anything else outside of that would, like I said, a lot of jurors are going to feel like it's fluff filler and it's really you blowing smoke and not really getting to the heart of the matter. And then they're going to hold it against you. The other thing you want to keep in mind at trial, your corporate rep, once again, right? Your corporate rep, if they're sitting at counsel's table, keeping them in mind that essentially they're on stage at all times in the deposition, right? They were speaking on behalf of the company at trial. They're going to be speaking on half of the company, but while they're sitting at counsel's table as well, essentially they're going to be representing the company. And even before, even before they even get to trial, you know, I always talk about with witnesses that essentially you're on stage a couple blocks away from the courthouse. So always being aware that jurors may be potentially watching or you may be out there and a juror may see you and you may not see them. So always keeping in mind and being cognizant of putting forward a credible uh, outlook, a credible behaviors anywhere close to the courtroom. Because once again, if that's the way you want to make sure you formulate so that jurors view your company as credible, you need to make sure your corporate representative is always portraying that and essentially all the way through to the trial rather than doing it when they're on the stand and then being at counsel's table, rolling their eyes or doing anything else that would belie their credibility or, or call into question their credibility. So just keeping in mind is that as well, which is why it goes back as well, as far as making sure you understand and being very careful on who your corporate representative is going to be. Are they going to be someone who's going to be able to do that? Are they going to be able to somebody who can be with maintain their credibility, maintain their composure throughout trial? Or are they going to be someone who, might be prone to roll their eyes or be prone to act as if something at trial is a surprise versus having them act as if they knew what was happening at all times. So I guess the take home is, do I think there's some value in humanizing the corporate defendant? I would say yes, but as we always hear on here, right, it depends. And it's going to depend on the extent of the time that's being spent on the fluff and the filler and whether or not you're spending that time to provide context and provide things that are more germane to the case. So leave the fluff and filler alone. It's not really doing you much value and jurors are smart enough to see through it. Focus on your corporate reps, focus on that communication, focusing on making sure that you identify and strike those jurors. We're going to have these anti-corporate bias. As always, check us out, courtroomsciences.com. Our blogs, podcasts are up there. Bill and I have been writing now for Law 360, so hopefully our, our articles are going to be up there. Our articles are going to be around on LinkedIn. Check us out there. Reach out to us on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out to us on email. We always enjoy hearing from the listeners.
has been another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. <laughs>